Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Can we talk about this before we talk about anything Hornets related? Yeah. When is the last time that you went to a concert? Oh man, it has been a minute. When is the last time that uh, I don't even remember the last concert I went to? All right, I went to one last night, and yeah. the amount of people Snapchatting. The entire concert Zip. was Zip, disturbing. Live. Did you say live in the moment? No, I'm not gonna At go. All. No, Did I'm not gonna go. That? I'm not okay. gonna go. Da- yeah, of course I thought it because the, this amazing <laughs> act was up on stage. One of my favorites, Paramore. Mm-hmm. Might not be for everybody, but I like them. And these people are literally—they're like the people in the back of the theater, like filming. Except there's no end goal. They're not trying to pirate the concert. They're just, they're just not living. One, one, uh, one person was FaceTiming. I don't get it. Well, maybe he was. Maybe they were helping someone else out on that one. I just thought of the last concert I went to, Guns N' Roses. Which was don't make amazing. excuses, um, David. This is absurd. No. There was a time uh, and a place so when was, we didn't have that, and we just enjoyed the concert. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I was guilty of taking pictures and a few bids of Guns N' Roses. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's just like a thing we do now. It's like you take pics. Hold on, hold on. Picks and, and bids? Okay. I took a pic. I took one. I, I took a little snappy snap. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking, the, the people were, were just filming the entire thing. They're <laughs> broadcasting it. And, and for, yeah, what, for what end? Unbelievable. I don't know. Well, other than that, you, did you enjoy the show? No, it was great. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, good. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, but it, that kind of thing bothers me. I'm sure it didn't uh, yeah. bother uh, yeah. the, the, you know. But it bothered me, and it kind of took me out of it a little bit. I had to constantly sort of check myself and be like, no, you enjoy it. Don't worry about them. You enjoy the moment. But <laughs> why Snapchat an entire song? If I were if I were that person's friend and I saw that on, and and Katie told me that when she sees that kind of thing on Snapchat Snapchat she just scrolls through it like no one's sitting there watching these nine second clips of this song and if I were that person's friend I'd say listen first of all we're not friends anymore second of all uh, I'm what, right beside you what are you <laughs> we're at a concert right now what are you doing <laughs> all right. Anyway, let's talk some Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. (laughs) 
This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my co-host, David Walker. Doug, it's Apple announcement day, buddy. Oh, that's right. That's right. That happens. I'm kind of in this. So I I take a couple of years off from the Apple fever and then, but now my phone, well, my phone is on its last legs. It it, it won't hold a charge. It it barely talks to me anymore. I don't know. At least I'm not, at least I'm not Snapchatting an entire concert with it, but (laughs) uh, yeah, it is Apple announcement day. Man, thanks for reminding me. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, By the way, if you do have an iPhone, uh, you can download the Overcast app for podcasts. It's the app that we recommend listening to this show with. You can give us a star on that app and help us climb the rankings. It's the podcast app that I use. I personally recommend it. Uh, check that out when you get a chance. Overcast.fm is the website. Got a lot of lot to get to in this show, David. We still have some news from uh, Steve Clifford's meeting with the media last week that I want to talk about. Plus, we are starting our player previews. We're going to be doing these all September, and we're starting with the captain today, Kimba Walker. We will be previewing uh, the season ahead for Kimba Walker, an important season, the the all-important all-star follow-up. I'm sure Kimba Walker and fans of Kimba Walker don't want to see him be a flash in the pan a one-time All-Star. So we're going to talk about the things that he will need to do to recreate his uh, first All-Star bid last season, or possibly, hey, even improve upon it. That would be nice uh, as well. Uh, So let's get into it. First, I want to talk about these reports from Clifford's meeting with the media last week. Uh, We're prepping for media day. We're prepping for training camp here. So any clues as to what's going to, to to be happening in preseason or on October 18th when they tip things off is, is juicy news. And uh, Clifford, talking to the media, he said he's clear about his starting unit. So barring injury, here it is, Kimba Walker, Nick Batum, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Marvin Williams, and Dwight Howard will tip things off on October 18th against the Pistons in Detroit. I guess the first question, David, is what do you think about Clifford putting starting unit questions to bed early? Uh, I think it's the first signs of the Dwight Howard effect in my mind. I mean, he's he's not going to have that as a distraction going into training camp and also saying, hey, Dwight, you are here to be the starter. Um, but I also think it speaks to what we talked about a little bit in the preseason around Cody Zeller and kind of how he would accept that role maybe a little better than Dwight. Like I'm sure they've already had talks, I would assume. Um, and, you know, he's, he's kind of checked in with them. But, yeah, I don't think he wants it to be a distraction. I think there's, quite honestly, you know, with, with the Malik Monk injury and now Michael Carter-Williams injury, along with these new additions, the rookies and Howard, um, they don't really need any more distractions than, than they would have normally. So I think he just wants to, to settle that, you know? I mean, and, and that makes sense. And also that's, that's the starting pot. Like that's, that's what it should be. So it's, let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. I mean, he likes to start the game with his five best players, specifically his five best uh, or his, his best defensive lineup. So he likes to start with defense. I think it speaks to a couple of things. I think it speaks to 
one thing that the Hornets were missing last season, which was physicality. I don't think this says like, well, Cody Zeller is automatically the lesser player. I, I think it just says that uh, uh, Dwight Howard is going to bring size and physicality and Cody Zeller will add offensive and defensive depth uh, to the lineup. This is not a bad problem to have for the Hornets, and I think Steve Clifford knows about dealing with stars, and I think putting this putting the center question to bed early uh, was a good idea. I think if you take that battle into camp and start insinuating or saying, well, I don't know, um, mm-hmm. but not being decisive, with a superstar talent, not letting that player of that caliber and Dwight Howard not know where he stands, I think would have been a bad idea. So they get that out yeah, of the way early. Different from last year too, right? I mean, last year it was, I don't think we were so sure this early on about Cody or uh, it sounds insane to say it now, but um, Roy Hibbert. Right. And so, yeah. And then Cody Zeller had the the injury that kept him out of, out of training camp and out of preseason. And it was pretty mm-hmm. much decided by that point. But he's not the only starter that there were questions about, uh, David. You've seen these mailbags that Rick Minnell of the Charlotte Observer has been doing, and you hear on on talk radio, guests will call in and say, well, hold on, what about Michael Kidd-Gilchrist? I mean, you add Dwight Howard, who's, despite uh, his, uh, despite reports of him practicing this, uh, you know, in his personal training sessions, Dwight Howard's not going to be shooting three-pointers, okay? Can we get that out of the way? He's not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, cross our fingers. He's not going to do it. And... Uh, so all of a sudden you've got a, a two in three out lineup. You don't have a lot of shooting in this starting lineup. So a lot of people have been saying, well, what about moving Michael kick Gilchrist to the bench and, and elevating a shooter? I think people are excited obviously to see Malik Monk. So it's like, what about moving Malik Monk into the starting lineup and moving Nick Batum to the three? Well, Clifford smashed those with, without even being prompted said MKG is his starter. For for a couple of reasons, David. Yeah, I mean, this, and that shouldn't really be a surprise. I, I don't think if you know Clifford and you know his value of defense and how much they think of MKG, right? I mean, especially if you're if if the other option is Malik Monk in a, a you know a rookie, or I mean, I just can't see Lamb sliding into that starting spot. You know what I mean? No, certainly not. And uh, the the reasons are that he said these uh, in the interview or in the in his meeting with the media. He said that uh, you know he recognizes that spacing is a basic tenet of offensive basketball, but it's not as important as competitiveness. Yeah. It's not as important as character. It's not as important as natural talent. He is a natural athlete. He has a feel for the game. He's a tough guy who cares about the team. And I think he can be one of the top 10 defenders in the league this year. So again, Clifford, uh, despite, look, Clifford's a guy that he recognizes what shooting can bring to a basketball team. He understands, I think he's proven uh, over the years to have a, uh, have a, a great understanding of what modern basketball, what winning basketball looks like. But at the same time, he's saying here that, okay, but that doesn't trump playing your five best players to start the game. It doesn't trump playing the, the the natural athletes, the guys that have a feel for the game. We know that above all, David, above shooting, uh, above anything, even above athleticism, what does Steve Clifford value? It's basketball yeah. IQ. He plays the smart guys. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um and like you said, like to start with that defensive lineup as well. I mean, 
Um, has it been clamoring from from fans to not start MKG? I just it would be curious to have him um, in that bench role to start the game. You know, it'd certainly be a, a different look. I just don't know how effective it would be. I I I tend to like him starting too. I mean, it is just so tough with being an app. You know not being able to have, be an offensive uh, weapon uh, of any sort, really. Uh, it, it makes it tough. It would sure be nice if he could add something. But, um, I mean, they love MKG. They they love starting him, and they love getting him his energy in, into the game. So um, I don't think they're going to go away from that anytime soon. Let's say just had an overwhelming option. I mean, I, is there a scenario, Doug, that you could see this season where he's not starting healthy? Well, I think that if his defense does not get back to that elite level, because you know his offensive struggles are well documented, I think that they're continuing to work on ways to make him, you know, using that athleticism, using his ability to score in transition to get him points. But he's not going to be a dominant scorer. He never will be a go-to scorer. So his defense has to be elite to justify him being in the lineup. And you heard Steve Clifford there saying that he thinks he can be one of the top 10 defenders in the league. Last year, uh, according to Synergy, he was a below-average defender, a lot of that having to do with giving up spot-up looks, uh, giving up pick-and-roll ball handler looks. He was below-average in both of those categories. His .986 points per possession allowed put him in the 18th percentile of defenders. That's that's borderline uh, the poor rating that Synergy gives mm-hmm. out. So he was right. But he he actually raised... It's the first time in his career that he had a block and a steal. So his like simple stats were better than ever. But there were a lot of issues on that team defensively. But I think that even um, I think MKG would admit this and, and Clifford say, you know, you can having a year off. It's it's not like he physically couldn't do it. It was, I, I, but I think some of those skills may may get rusty may start to deteriorate a little bit and you have to kind of get back in the yeah. groove. And MKG said it felt like his rookie year, like he was learning things all over again. So you hope that he comes back in this year and, and becomes, because he was in the conversation at one point for, you know, all defense. But he wasn't in that conversation last season at all. So he's got to get back to that level. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's taken that whole year off and he really hadn't play, you know, uh, played a, an entire year in quite some time. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I mean, those, those um, you know, seven games and then coming back to play a whole season, uh, that does take some getting used to. And we think that maybe, you know, maybe there's some, a mental factor to it as well, just learning how to play and not get hurt all the time. So, I mean, that's a bonus, but um, they've got to be anticipating him having a, a better year this year on defense. And with Howard in there, you know, that's going to be one of the things that's interesting. Yeah, Gosh, you-, you just, if he could, if he could, Doug, if he could just, you know, finish his everything around the rim um, and hit a, a jumper every once in a while, it would, it would just be nice. Well, I mean, you could say that about several players on this roster. You could say that mm-hmm. about Cody Zeller. You could say that about Michael Carter-Williams, you know, uh, over the past couple of years. Yeah. If, you, if, if they can finish everything inside and occasionally hit a jump shot, then they would be an effective offensive player. And yet year after year, you know, you see the offensive efficiency numbers come in and they're not very good. So, um, but I, you say, well, like what scenario do I envision? See, I think that the, that Steve Clifford and the Hornets in general envision the road map to the playoffs being that this team is like top five defensively. 
But if it becomes back there. Right. And I think that's that they view that as one of the only roads to the playoffs for this team, because I don't think that they're going to be an elite three point shooting team. So if if you start the season in the first couple of months, you go, oh, man, like this is not I don't I don't know if this is a top five defense, even if it's like, oh, this might be because they were 14th last year. So if it's only a top yeah. 10 defense, I don't know if that's good enough. I think at that point, then you have to start exploring options of like, okay, maybe we do try some radical things to try to outscore opponents. Now, it's, maybe that doesn't get you to the playoffs, but if you're already not good enough defensively to win basketball games, especially in the fourth quarter, that's when the Hornets dropped to 20th in defense last year is in the fourth quarter. So if they're not doing that for the second straight year, that then maybe you know, you start to you start to panic a little bit, and that's where I think you could see some changes in the lineup. But in, at least initially, yeah. at least initially, we know that Steve Clifford will go with Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, Michael Michael Kid Gilchrist, Marvin Williams, Dwight Howard, his best defensive lineup. Okay, I want to take a quick yeah. second to tell you about something we've started here on Locked On Hornets. It's a way for you to get access to more. Locked on Hornets content, more Hornets content in general, and you can support the show. It on, it's only a buck a month. It's called Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash L-O-H. There's a link in the description of this episode, and you can get exclusive interviews and access to content before anyone else. Plus, you will uh, at a certain level, you can get double entries into our ticket giveaways this year into all of our giveaways and and we're going to do some fantastic ones as we start this season so check it out patreon.com slash l-o-h and help keep our hive alive every dollar that you donate to support to locked on hornets goes to making this show better and better okay time for our first player preview of this september we're going to be doing these all month First up is the captain, the unquestioned best player on the Charlotte Hornets heading into this season, the best point guard in franchise history. I think that's probably oh, yeah. still debatable among some, but very few, I think. Fewer and fewer every year. Um, he's the starting point guard for the Hornets NBA 2K all-time team. His name, of course, is Kimba Walker. Let's start with the basics, David. He's entering his seventh season. He's 27 years old. He's owed $12 million this year and $12 million next year. That's guaranteed. That's on the books. He's earned his first All-Star Game bid. He earned that last season. He was in the finals of the three-point contest on All-Star Weekend. That was fun. What else am I missing? What are the basics here on Kimba Walker, David? Well, you hit the first all-star appearance. Um, he has, uh, well, he recently played in the overseas game. You didn't mention that, Doug. He did play in that. Didn't know if he was going to play in the, it was the World versus, versus, versus Africa game. Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a basketball without borders event that they do. Right, 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 right. Um, but, I mean, just as far as him being the leader of the team, unquestioned leader of this team, Doug, we've asked for a long time who was the alpha dog on the team and, Kim has finally broken out to be the main guy, uh, top 20 in just about every major offensive statistical category in the NBA, 17th in scoring per game, 18th in minutes per game, 13th in total minutes, Doug, and that's maybe something we do want to talk about. Certainly uh, top 20 in usage as well as uh, 18th in total assists, something we spoke about earlier in the week and, and we may want to touch on again today. And then the big one, six in NBA attempts, uh, six in three-point attempts and makes. I mean, that's really been the key to him stepping up his game over the last couple of years, Doug. The increase in efficiency 
and ability to hit that three-point shot. Average 23 points a game last year, uh, best of his career. And just, you know, the, the biggest thing about Kemba is that he has continued to improve. You mentioned seventh season coming up here, and he's still getting better, certainly in his prime, but you just don't see that type of improvement and particularly the jump that he's had over the last two years, jumping up from 17 points a game to 20 and then 23 last year. Uh, I don't know that a lot of people predicted that. It was one of those things you said, hey, if he could just get better in the efficiency, make a few more three-pointers, then he can take the jump. But it didn't look like it was going to happen. I mean, three years in a row, averaging around 17, 18 points a game, looked like he was kind of locked in uh, for that career average there, but has really jumped up and taken it upon himself to, you know, just, I mean, get in the gym. We talk about it all the time. He is a guy that has really lived in the gym and just worked hard. And it's something that, you know, it's easy to say, but it's not often that you see such a guy, his stature, dog, at the point guard position come in and, and make that kind of jump that late in his, in his career. So from 15 to 16, he did make that three-point-per-game jump. And his efficiency, the, the most amazing thing about that uh, that jump that happened uh, from three seasons ago to two seasons ago is that his usage percentage didn't go up all that much. He was just you know, mm-hmm. getting to be a better three-point shooter, increasing his efficiency. Now, when he made the, the uh, like two-and-a-half, three-point jump from last season to this season – his usage went from 26.5% to 29.2%. So he was shouldering a much bigger load than he has at any point yeah. in his career uh, with this Charlotte franchise. And one has to wonder, you know, it, it, can he make another three-point jump? Could he get to 26, that elite scoring that we see from guys like, you know, DeMar DeRozan and, and Isaiah Thomas and others? How can he get there? And then you think, well, they just brought in Dwight Howard, who's going to want touches. Uh, Nick Batum has expressed a desire to be a, a, a bigger offensive factor. So one wonders what that, what that usage percentage will look like for Kimball Walker. And honestly, when you take into consideration some of the late season knee injuries that Kimball Walker has sustained that have required procedures in the offseason, maybe it's not such a bad thing that Kimball Walker, Walker's usage percentage goes down. If he could further increase his three-point percentage then maybe his usage could go back to that 26.5 level while increasing uh, his points per game. I think that would be the most ideal scenario for the Hornets. I think it's fair to say, David, that you think the most impressive thing about Kimball Walker's first All-Star season was his continued ascension in terms of his three-point shooting. You, you expressed that, right? Am I, am I speaking out of turn? That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I think that his ability, especially given today's game, right? I mean, you've got to be able to hit that. And he's a scoring point guard first, first and foremost. So that three pointers was his key weapon, I think. Yeah. So I love that too, but I'm going to go just, just for the sake of doing something different. I'll say uh, my most, mm-hmm. uh, the, the thing that most impressed me was his march up the Hornets record books. He's now second in three-pointers made all-time Charlotte history. He'll top Del Curry if he's anywhere close to last season's average. Or I think he hit, what, 240 last season. So if he, if he gets anywhere near that, he's going to top Del Curry for three-pointers made all-time. Second in points, he's on pace to top Del for that this season. Third in assist, he's set to pass Raymond Felton for second. He has a while to go before he passes Muggsy for first all-time on the assist list. He could pass Gerald Wallace for most free throws made, and he'll pass Larry Johnson for second for most field goals made early on, and Gerald Wallace for most games played 
He'll do that pretty quickly. Those will be the first two to go. So field goals made and most games played, he'll he'll have those, uh, or at least second in most field goals made and then the record for most games played. So he's marching up the record books. He's continuing to improve his game. But if he wants to repeat, if he wants to get back, if he wants to go to Los Angeles and be part of a second straight all-star game, David, what's left to improve on? Because look, if we're being fair, like Kimba Walker was a, a marginal all-star. He was on the was kind yeah. of on that on, on the bubble, if you will. So what does he got to what does he mm-hmm. have to do? What does he got to do? What does he have to do <laughs> to get off the bubble and say no, Kimball Walker is an absolute 100% guaranteed all-star. Well, we always come back to this as the biggest thing is I think wins and team performance. So he's going to have to help this team get off to a hot start. I think that's big. You mentioned the borderline all-star case. It's funny to think back to that because both he and Isaiah Thomas were kind of borderline all-stars. I mean, Isaiah Thomas had a big, you know, final month up until all-star voting, I think, but uh, they were both kind of on the fringe. I mean, I think most people thought they would get in, but certainly we didn't feel like Kimba was a lock up until, you know, announcement night. And I think the assists, you know, are one area of improvement, Doug, but honestly, I think he's going to have to, go down in one statistical category and that's charges drawn. We haven't talked about that, Mm. but it was a big part of his game last year. Third in the league uh, at 28 charges drawn for the year, only behind Ursan Ilyasova at 36 and Maurice Spates at 34. Yes, that's two big guys. And then DeMarcus Cousin was, was right behind him. So Kimball was in there giving his body, you know, earning that captain C all year long. And for a guy, you know, like I said, a Kimba stature, I just don't know how feasible it is for him to keep doing that because look at the minutes played or look at the games played throughout his career, Doug. I mean, he's playing just about every game, every night. Has only, um, you know, uh, 2014-15 just played in 62, but every other year except for his rookie year up in the uh, 70s and 80s. So he's, he's, he's getting the wear and tear. You know, we've talked about the knee injuries. And he's smart in how he takes these charges, but I still feel, you know, with uh, with another healthy year from MKG, having a guy hopefully like Dwight Howard behind him, maybe he won't feel like he needs to take all those charges. Uh, you'd like to see him maybe 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 pass some of those off and not take as many body blows as he did last year. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally get where you're coming from, David. Although I-, I think when he did that, first of all, it's a way for him to contribute defensively where, you know, his size sure. limits him in that way sometimes. Although Steve Clifford will will sing the, the praises of Kimball Walker in terms of his um, his smarts when it comes to pick and roll defense. And, and we certainly see that. But he has size limitations that prevent him, you know, you know from being a a a great defensive player so it's a way for him to contribute and I think it inspires the rest of the of the team to see your captain your leader sacrificing his body I I think it's tough to sort of quantify that but at the same time I totally understand where you're coming from you know you don't want to see a a needless injury from a chart from from what will ultimately amount to a an extra possession you don't want to see that guy uh, give up his body too many times, although it is certainly uh, inspiring. Yeah. You know, yeah, go and ahead. The, the other last sorry, the last thing about charges is it's the call that's this is la- you, well, first of all, let's say this. Let's say this. You love charges. You love taking them in 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 what is it? Uh, pick up I, I call it pickup <laughs> basketball. This this is where I always I get in trouble. It's it not pickup basketball. Yep. This is league ball. 
Exactly. It's rec league basketball. Don't get, don't get, don't get people mad at us at you. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. Just no, I, I like a, a charge. I like, I like sacrificing to take that charge, but it's also the call that is still, you know, it's, you never know how it's going to go. But you didn't make 243s <laughs> in your, in your rec league, right? Like you didn't. Did not, not in one game. No, that would be a record. <laughs> All right, here's what I think he has to improve on, and it's silly because we just talked about how much he's improved on it the past two years, but I think, honestly, it's three-point percentage. Uh, I I think, uh, oh, I went back and looked at this, David. So Glenn Rice earned his first All-Star game in year seven, uh, and and that was with the Charlotte Hornets. Not year seven with the Charlotte Hornets, but year seven overall, and it was his first year with the Charlotte Hornets. Got his first All-Star game bid, shot 42.4% from three. He followed it up the next season by raising his percentage to an insane 47%. He shot 47% mm. from three. Glenn Rice for his second All-Star game bid. The crazy thing is that second season with the Hornets, Glenn Rice made 2.6 threes per game. Kimba averaged three last season. And, and almost, and I think the three-point made record was actually Jason Richards. It wasn't even Glenn Rice's record that Kimba almost beat with that 240 three-pointers made so uh just goes to show you i think that you know how the game has changed because glenn rice was only attempting like 3.6 somewhere below four um or or a little above four i guess uh for that 47 percent but i know math um but anyway so kimba attempting a lot more but making three a game but i think he has so he shot 39.9 percent i think he's got to get that above 40 yeah yeah, I mean, it's really the and only I don't think that's a ton to ask. Like, it's kind of crazy. I don't think that's a ton to ask. Um, no, I mean, that's that's his game, right? I mean, that's where he's going to see the improvement. I think the other area you, you would look to, like we said, is assists. It's just tough to see him getting – I mean, that's kind of where he is. You know, five to six assists is, is pretty much what he's done for his career. Um uh, that would be another area, but at the same time, like Kim is a scorer. Uh, he's a scoring point guard. That's that's what he does. That's what he brings to this team. And um, yeah, and and you know, a couple more three pointers or or upping that three point um, percentage would give him a few more points as well. And and the points are certainly going to help when you're looking at All Star to get off of that bubble. I think so too. So um, that's where the NBA is headed, Doug. They say the three point shot is here to stay, and I I believe them. So we've got some injury concerns to talk about. And we also have to talk about this decision that the Hornets will have, uh, whether or not to extend Kimball Walker's deal, uh, what that would look like, or you, you know what kind of situation they're going to find themselves. Because as I said at the top, you know he's owed $12 million this year. He's owed $12 million, uh, next year. He's one of the, I think he's like sixth on the payroll at this point. And he's your unquestioned best player. So there's a little bit of like, you know, do you reward the guy for all he's given or, or what, you know, there's all kinds of stuff wrapped up in that. But I think where we should start with that kind of discussion is with these injuries. So he had the, the late uh, left knee injury, was a torn meniscus. It forced a second straight offseason procedure on that left knee. And the question is, David, like, will those long-term effects begin to show and slow him down this season? You know, he needs that quickness that ability to pull up quickly with a defender on his hip, knock it down, it, it allowed him to be one of the, the the best. He actually led the league 
in pick and roll ball handler plays last year, 12 points per game in those situations. That was above guys like James Harden, Damian Lillard, DeMar DeRozan, and even the MVP, Russell Westbrook. So he needs that. He needs all of that quickness to get to the rim, to get around those tall defenders and, and finish the basketball. So, you know, will, will those injuries start to crop up? I think that's a legitimate question, right? Mm. Yeah, and and I mentioned the the, uh, the the basketball without borders game earlier, not because I was biding time looking something up on, on my certainly iPad, not, but because you would it never was do important. That. No, no, no. But Kimbo looked pretty good in that game, um, which I think was a sigh of relief. You know, I think the the team and everyone watching, the Torrance fans, breathed a sigh of, sigh of relief when when they saw that because he wasn't supposed to play and looked okay. It was a glorified pickup game, but. You know, let's be honest. I, uh, I believe looks, actually looks, it's called a league rec rec league basketball league <laughs> that's, games. That's true. <laughs> but look, I mean, look at Isaiah Thomas, right? The, the Celtics were facing a, a similar, not exactly the same, because because clearly his injury now we know is much more serious than anything Kim is facing. I think, but uh, given the, the stature of both of those guys, how important they were to their team, what they have done, you know, they were facing a similar decision now. I don't think the option will be there to trade for a Kyrie Irving type player when the decision to, to extend Kemba or what to do with him comes around. But, you know, given the age and where the team is at that point, Doug, I, I can't imagine it's something they're, they're really looking forward to at this time. Yeah, the similar you can see some similarities though, right? You've got shorter point guards uh, with yeah. inju- with injury concerns, and you've got two guys who are emotional leaders of the team. Like they are the like Isaiah Thomas was the heart and soul of that Celtics team. Kimball yeah. Walker has been the heart and soul of of Charlotte Hornets basketball. But you see how quickly that loyalty can fade when an opportunity presents itself. But you bring up the the key difference, which is that. The Boston Celtics had assets that they could move. They had that Brooklyn pick. They, they had things. They had Jay Crowder on that amazing contract. So they had yeah. pieces that were were extremely valuable to other teams that they could use in order to, to avoid paying that deal. And I'm not saying the Hornets – get this out of the way. I'm not saying that the Hornets would be avoiding paying Kimball Walker. I, I, there's, you, there's just no way to know. We're just talking about scenarios going, going, and I think it's a storyline this season because what if Kimba Walker uh, does have an amazing follow-up second year, and then you're you're you have to I think you have to weigh the fact that Kimba Walker is continuing to improve, but you have two straight off-season knee surgeries, and what happens injury-wise, and they both happen late in the year, so I think there's questions about durability about you know if this Hornets team really wants to make a a playoff run get into the second round it, it will Kimball Walker and Nick Batum I think there are questions with him I think there are questions with Dwight Howard can these guys hold up and get to the second round of the playoffs healthy enough uh, uh, to win uh, to win maybe more than one series I think those are all uh, legitimate questions as the Hornets and, and the thing is too David Kimball Walker is not the only contract that the Hornets will have to to think about as these years, I mean, these contracts are coming up in the next year or two. They only have a few that are like Nick Batum and I think Zeller's locked up for a while. They've, they'll have the Dwight Howard decision uh, soon enough. So anyway, just something to keep in mind. But yeah, yeah. Go ahead, David. I've talked long enough. Well, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say Marvin and NKG will have one more year uh, past Kimba. I think Kimba and Lamb. He's the dominant. So that's right. So Kimba's the domino, essentially. 
Like that's the first yep. piece. And that will signal, I think, what happens with with a few more of these decisions that that come down the line. But hey, I mean, tip of the cap to show because looking back at that deal, Doug, what, what a steal they got for an all star point guard uh, when they first signed that. I think it was an eyebrow raiser at first, but knowing that the cap was was going to jump mm-hmm. like it did, it made a lot of sense. And to have mm-hmm. him on that, you know, cap friendly deal. Uh, has been good for this team. So good job there by, by Rich Joe. It'll be interesting to see what they do here. I, it doesn't feel like, if I had to make a guess, Doug, it does not feel like the Hornets would take the route of the Boston Celtics. It feels like if they were going to err on one side, mm-hmm. it's going to be to pay them, honestly. Don't you think? I mean, it just doesn't feel like they're going to be as cold-blooded. And I'm not saying that's a necessarily a good thing, Um the, the problem, so the problem, like a, David, like is we don't feeling. we don't really have any historical something yeah, or sure. other to sort of lean on. Like we know that we've talked uh, this offseason a lot about how the old Hornets, uh, the previous Charlotte Hornets before they moved to New Orleans, were were sort of known for being cheap and not paying stars, and I think that hurt them near the end of their run. And so th- I think that's the danger if you're a medium sized market like Charlotte. Whereas I think Boston could get away with doing something like that because players are, you know, going to want to go play for Boston and win championships if that team's good enough. But with Charlotte, I think a little bit reputation helps. Like coaching staff reputation helps, front office reputation helps. When when guys are selling, they're not selling Charlotte. I mean, I love the city of Charlotte, but they're not selling. You know, if Kimball Walker goes out and recruits, he's not selling Charlotte. He's not selling the city. He's not selling the marketing opportunities. He's selling the team. He's selling the the locker room. He's selling Clifford. He's selling the front office treats you right. They do the right thing. So I think it matters now. Maybe maybe if the Hornets had a had a series of second round uh, playoff, you know, they got to the second round. Maybe they're on the cusp of the Eastern Conference and they need one more piece to just make the breakthrough. Then I think you can start making that argument that well, you got to be a little cutthroat. Sort of what the, the Panthers are going through right now when they're on the cusp of a championship. Then you start wondering, okay, do we have to? Do we need to cut this guy for the greater good? I'm not sure the Hornets could make that argument right now, but we shall see. I want to end this on a good note. I don't want to end this on because Kim is the captain. He's done well for this team. Let's talk about his clutch statistics. Mentioned these yesterday, but if you didn't listen to the show, I want to mention these again. He was absolutely on fire at the end of ball games. He finished sixth in clutch points last season. Clutch being defined as. Uh, four minutes or less in a game with the margin at five or less. He finished sixth in overall clutch points. He raised his uh, three-point percentage to 34%. His effective field goal percentage went up from 40 in the previous year to 48.6% last season in those clutch situations. And he shot, this is incredible to me, he shot 48% from the field in the last minute of games. Good for second among the top 10 members in clutch points. And we're talking about guys like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, King of the fourth. Yep. So, uh, Kimball Walker can be counted on at the end of games. And that's, that's something again, that's tough to quantify. So that's your captain, Kimball Walker. That's the season preview for Kimba. And we'll have much more in our coverage of training camp and media day on Kimball Walker as he gets set uh, to lead this team into the 2017-2018 season. And we've got all kinds of previews coming up. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about Malik Monk. He's a, he's a pretty popular topic. 
That's going to be a good one. We'll dig into some of his stats at Kentucky and and talk about what his role will be at the beginning of the season and what we think his role will be by the end of the season. So that will be interesting. Stick around with us at that. If you want to get a look at Malik Monk, by the way, the first chance you will get as a fan is the Hornets open practice. I wanted to give you the details on this. The Hornets will host an open practice on Saturday, September 30th at noon in Spectrum Center. There will be a short Hornets practice followed by giveaways and the players running a few drills with the kids. Based on, I went to this event last year and based on my memory, it was a really cool kind of interactive fan event. I recall I sent a video of this on the on the Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Del Curry beating a few Hornets players in a three point shooting contest. So maybe we'll see. Speaking of Malik Monk, maybe we see Del Curry getting out there and dueling with Malik Monk. That'd be fun. Let's just hope we, yeah, let's hope we see Malik Monk out there and and shooting and playing. Very true. Very true. Still kind yeah. of getting his conditioning back into gear after that ankle injury. We will see. We'll talk about that tomorrow as well. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. May we suggest Overcast. And while you're there, give us a star on each episode. It helps us climb the rankings. Takes a couple of seconds. Just tap on that star. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow with more. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17